Welcome to the Sunday Service Podcast from St Nicholas Buccleuch Parish Church. This edition of the Sunday Service Podcast is based on the service for Easter Sunday. In St Nicholas Buccleuch Parish Church, it included a celebration of the Sacrament of Holy Communion. Let us pray. God of undying life, by your mighty hand you raised Jesus from the grave and appointed him judge of the living and the dead. Bestow upon us who are baptised into his death the power flowing from his resurrection, that we may proclaim near and far the pardon and peace you give us. Grant this through our Lord Jesus Christ, firstborn from the dead, who lives with you now and always in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God for ever and ever. Amen. Our reading is taken from Luke's Gospel and is the account of how the women found the tomb empty that first Easter morning. On the first day of the week, at early dawn, they came to the tomb, taking spices that they had prepared. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they went in, they did not find the body. While they were perplexed about this, suddenly two men in dazzling clothes stood beside them. The women were terrified and bowed their faces to the ground, but the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here, but has risen. Remember how he told you, while he was still in Galilee, that the Son of Man must be handed over to sinners, and be crucified, and on the third day rise again. Then they remembered his words, and returning from the tomb, They told all this to the eleven and all the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James and the other women with them who told this to the apostles. But these words seemed to them an idle tale and they did not believe them. But Peter got up and ran to the tomb, stooping and looking in. He saw the linen cloths by themselves. Then he went home amazed at what had happened. Christ is risen. The great Easter acclamation. He is risen indeed. On Monday, Thursday, many congregations would have recalled, as we did in St. Nicholas Beclue, the mandatum novum, the new commandment which John tells us Jesus gave as he sat with his disciples at dinner for the last time before his crucifixion. That night he said to them, love one another, just as I have loved you, you also should love one another. Just as I have loved you, no less than that. Just as the one who loves because he is love incarnate, without conditions, without questions, without hindrances. Easy to say, but hard to do. Similarly, it's easy to say Christ is risen, but it, always, it hasn't always been easy. It wasn't easy on that first Easter morning. The words of the women of Mary Magdalene, Joanna and Mary the mother of James seemed to them an idle tale and they did not believe them. According to Luke, there were the three named women, close friends of Jesus, one of them even the mother of one of his disciples. And there were others besides, reporting what they had found, or rather, 
not found. They had gone as early as possible, as soon as it was light, to complete the work the Sabbath had interrupted. But on arriving at the tomb, they'd found it open and empty. That much could be easily explained. It had been closed with a stone, but a stone which could be put in place by one group of people could just as easily be removed by another. Indeed, the women must have been intending to move it themselves. In other gospel accounts, the possibility that someone unknown had removed the body is addressed much more explicitly. Luke, however, only tells us that the women were perplexed. Presumably, they were wondering who had got there before them. Why had they come? What had they wanted with the body? What had they done with it? The last thing on their mind in that moment was the idea that a three-day dead corpse was now up and about. But very quickly they are forced to confront that notion. Two men in dazzling clothes address them. Who are they? We do not know but can only surmise that they are some kind of heavenly messengers. At the very least, They are a useful narrative device because they refer back to words previously spoken by Jesus. Are we to take their presence literally? Well, I don't know. They could just as easily be some kind of personification of the seedling of an idea, an idea forming in the minds of Mary, Joanna and Mary, an idea so strange, so audacious, that they barely dared to own it as their own. An idea that Jesus might have risen. Could this be the source of their terror? Not a couple of strangers in pristine clothes reflecting the morning sunshine, but an idea so fundamentally at odds with every strand of sense and knowledge and experience that few would dare to express it. Anyone who imagines that suddenly beginning to think that a loved one so torturously killed three days ago might be alive would be a cause for simple, uncomplicated joy is naive in the extreme. Emotions are powerful. Hurts and griefs are real. They don't just vanish. It takes time to comprehend a new reality. The idea now forming could not be dismissed and could not be kept to themselves. The whole group, quite a number of women, went to tell the apostles. Many women will report similar experiences of how, if they relate something, they get ignored. But if a man says the same thing, he takes, gets taken seriously. The men, hearing what the women told them, did not believe them. To them it sounded like idle talk. To all except one. Peter had not done too well up to this point. He was always arguing with Jesus and contradicting him. He was always getting things wrong. But a change had come over him. His bluster, his bravado, his sureness of himself had let him down badly two nights ago. Absolutely he would never deny Jesus, he said only to find himself weeping bitterly when he did just that. Jesus had been right again. Maybe he'd been right when he spoke of rising again. 
Unlikely as it seemed, Peter had to check out this story for himself. He must have told and retold the story many times of how he ran, stooped and looked in and saw the linen cloths by themselves. He must have relived the amazement of that morning many times, tracing from that moment the growing realisation that it had been no idle tale he had heard from the women, that Jesus was, in fact, risen from the dead. But still, neither Peter nor Mary Magdalene, nor Joanna, nor Mary the mother of James, nor any of the apostles and disciples can ever have found it altogether easy to make that claim, Jesus is risen. And neither should we. We should not say it glibly. We must never say it as if it is just plain common sense, because it isn't. And if we treat it as such, we will alienate so many who rightly approach this claim with scepticism. We have to treat this claim with great care so that it does not seem to be an idle tale, unworthy to be believed. I want to suggest that while I believe in the physical resurrection of Jesus, the physicality is not the most important aspect of the resurrection story. A close reading of the Gospel accounts presents at best an ambivalent understanding of physical resurrection. In John's Gospel, the risen Jesus at first cannot be touched when he meets Mary in the garden, but later on appears both to invite the touch of Thomas and to be able to pass through locked doors without opening them. In Mark's Gospel, a subtly different account from Luke's, The women are told that Jesus would go ahead to Galilee, but there are no accounts of him being seen on the way. In Matthew, again subtly different from the others, Jesus appears very briefly to the women in the garden, where they touch his feet, before he goes to Galilee, where he has promised to appear to the apostles. Paul counts his vision of Jesus on the road to Damascus as a resurrection appearance. Peter in Acts asserts that Jesus appeared only to a few chosen witnesses, hardly conclusive proof. All this variety, all this disagreement between the accounts, indicates to my mind that we are in the realms of mythology, that each of the gospel accounts is leading us by similar but different paths to a truth so profound that it cannot be told simply. And that truth is that Christ is risen. Risen in a sense which is unique. Risen in a way which marks Jesus out from Jairus' daughter or Lazarus or the many holy people whom Matthew says rose from their graves and entered Jerusalem and appeared to many both at the moment of Jesus' death and the moment of his resurrection. Christ's resurrection is somehow different from any of these others. How so? Let's go back to the words of the men in dazzling clothes. They asked, why look for the living among the dead? Jesus is all about life. His incarnation is about God becoming a living human being. His teaching is about living a better life. His miracles are about supporting life, 
about freeing people from what harmed their lives. And even his death becomes about life when finally we have the courage to affirm that Christ is risen. Courage, yes, because what it means when we make that affirmation is that we are taking on the mantle of his incarnation, that if you want to find Christ, you need to look among the living. It means that Christ is alive where people follow his teaching, where people give their lives to him, where people become like him in their love and service for all humanity. Christ is alive now in his church, in this incredible, multifaceted, occasionally infuriating and endlessly diverse organisation which we acknowledge is the body of Christ. Christ is risen and Christ is alive wherever people sit at table and break bread together in his name. Christ is alive because he who is love incarnate has made it possible by word and example and by the constant presence and indwelling of the Holy Spirit for his people to love one another just as he has loved us. Amen. called Serexit Christus Hodie, Serexit Christus Hodie, Christ is risen today. Let us pray. Before we call, you answer, O Lord. Before we speak, you know our words. We pray for the peace of Jerusalem, for peace among all nations, remembering especially this week the people of Belgium, and the people of Syria, of Pakistan, of Turkey, and all countries where war and terrorism kill, maim, and destroy. Let the sounds of weeping and cries of distress turn to shouts of joy and laughter. Let infants grow and thrive. Let the old dance like children. Let every person find a home, 
and enjoy the fruit of their labour. Let the wolf and the lamb live in peace. Let no one hurt or destroy another. Show us, O God, the holy mountain you have prepared, the new heaven and new earth you have promised, so that we may be glad and rejoice in your presence forever. Let the power of the resurrection be known in our homes. In you, risen Lord, may relationships be strengthened and restored. In you, risen Lord, may hearts be healed and well-being renewed. We pray for all struggling people, that they may find hope in you. We pray for those who are ill, for all who walk in darkness, for all who are in pain, for all who have lost hope, for all who are distressed or disturbed, and for those who are near to death. We remember today all who have lost loved ones, who are deeply bereaved and in great sorrow, and rejoicing in the promise of the resurrection to eternal life, we remember those whom we have loved, but who are now at rest in you. These prayers we make in the name of the risen Saviour, who taught us when we pray to say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power and the glory for ever. Amen. The blessing of God Almighty, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, rest upon you and remain with you always. Amen. Thank you.